one of the best tweets I've seen recently is from the uh, the founder of Binance. It was yesterday, actually. He tweeted, imagine if a country pushed out all their internet talent 20 years ago, right? Dot, dot, dot. Keep your blockchain talent, right? Um, that's a direct shot at smaller countries that are not getting involved yet, right? That's either going to wait until um, their blockchain ta talent goes overseas or they're going to be issuing warnings and putting up enough walls that their blockchain talent just does not grow. And, you know, we end up outsourcing everything like we did for the fir first wave of the Internet. You're listening to the Digital Jamaica Podcast, the show where we deep dive topical issues around tech to uncover opportunities we can leverage to earn. I'm your host, Katie Francis, and on today's show, episode two of season three, I'm talking to Donald Porter. Donald is a world-class blockchain developer. He's a DAO expert, decentralized autonomous organization, and he's also a crypto enthusiast. Now, I call Donald Mr. Blockchain because he has a seemingly endless reservoir of knowledge on this technology, as well as some very interesting ideas as to how this technology can actually be applied. And I'm not just talking, you know, what you've seen it manifest itself as now, which is NFTs um, and all that crypto, Bitcoin, that good stuff, but practical, useful ways that blockchain technology can be used. So I invited Donald on the show because, I mean, I can't have a season three talking about Web3, which, you know, is blockchain powered without talking to Mr. Blockchain. So I invited him on the show. And one of the, one of the things that we went through um, is how can blockchain technology be used to address localized and perennial problems within our governance systems? Because we've all been victims to hell of a long lines at the bank that takes up our entire day or have, knowing that if we're going to go to the tax office or if we're going to go get our fitness or, you know, or anything that we need to get done that involves a government office, we know it's going to take forever and a day. Why? Because a lot of our systems are not connected. Uh, or government agencies clearly don't speak to, to, to each other. They don't even speak to each other at the same agency. <laughs> you know what I mean? And the data, the information is all over the place and a bunch of people have access to it. And sometimes because of that, the data can get lost, right? So Donald has some ideas around what we can do to fix that, how we can skip uh, years of um, data issues, go straight to the blockchain, resolve these problems, and just make everybody's life, lives easier, right? Uh, so that's kind of what we get into. In fact, that's what we get into uh, in this episode. And you can sense the passion that he has um, coming through and all the, 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 the ways that he has really thought through how this technology can be used. So I'm happy to have him on. Uh, it was a very wonderful conversation and I'm sure you're going to enjoy it too. So the man with a thousand ideas, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Donald Porter. Hi, everyone. My name is Donald Porter. I'm a blockchain developer and entrepreneur working on the Hive blockchain, living in Negril, Jamaica. 
Um, I've been a part of numerous projects in the past that are very notable and known within the cryptocurrency space. And I'm working on a current project, a decentralized autonomous organization or DAO, right? Um, and also we host Bitcoin and blockchain workshops in Negro, Jamaica. I'm happy to be here today and hopefully I could uh, ease some fears and bring a bit of legitimacy to the Web3 metaverse and the blockchain space. Yeah, because you 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 know you know what the you know, conversations are out there, right? Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, around for sure, that, for sure. and that's that's exactly why for you're sure. here, Donald. Because you know we want you to kind of tell us what the hell all of, all of this is, and and you know from your perspective as as a developer, and what can what we can expect from the space. So we can start out with what is DAO. Well, DAO stands for, it's an acronym for Decentralized Autonomous Organization. Um, imagine a crowdfunding source where all members of the platform just made the decisions on where the funds go, right? So you can join the crowdfunding platform, um, contribute to it, and also benefit from the same benefits, similar benefits that you would yeah. from like the Kickstarter platform. So let's say, for example, a tourist, a tourism entity or a real estate project or anything along the lines of um, that can right. provide benefits to the members of the platform. That's likely where the votes will go. So it's, it's a decentralized way of crowdfunding, right? We're basically creating a pool where the members who have created this pool decide where the funds of this pool goes. So, and that that means everything from uh, charitable projects, um, you know, communities might also, infrastructure projects, communities might need light, water, et cetera. Um, yeah. Anything that someone would put up a proposal for on a proposal board, and the members would vote on these proposals in order to direct funds towards them. And the reason they would be voting is because the benefits on the platform would be compounding to the members of the platform. So let's say a hotel wants to renovate and the benefits they want to give to the platform is, you know, all members get discounts when they arrive or they get a free breakfast, right? And then free nights or something like that. Let's say... Um, a real estate project is, I mean, like I mentioned before, wants to build a, a, a complex, complex, right? Maybe they'll offer um, residuals or, I'm sorry, um, a share of, of, of net profits or gross profits back to the, to the, to the membership, right? So there's, there's an unlimited amount of benefits that each entity would, you know, present potentially to the members members to vote on to get the funds in order to build their project, right? And this is something that we've been speaking about within um, the locally, locally in the grill for about two years. And it's only now that we see that the technology is not only there because it's been there, but it's it's tested right? And it's tried and it's true. And we wouldn't be reinvented the wheel. We would more likely, we would more actually be um, filling a niche that's needed within the Caribbean, right? So, right. 
Yeah. So if I understand this correctly, so decentralized autonomous organizations in in this example that you gave it would be like yes. uh so a, a group of persons putting pooling their funds together and by funds we mean crypto right cryptocurrency yes yes yes, yes. okay assets. so i have Sorry. crypto assets right because it's not just currency yes correct okay. is it's currency and something else or no no assets assets is the correct term for sure because it, it includes sure. currency, okay. NFTs, and everything of the like. Right. Yeah. Okay. So it's not just currency, but assets in the crypto yeah. space. So you're pooling that asset together. Um, so you're coming together as a group, pooling your resources, and the resources are, you know, assets. Yes. And what you're doing with these resources is that you are allocating these resources to projects or whatever that you guys are interested in at whatever point um the group votes on what these projects are and vote to allocate the funds to those projects and in return there's something that they get in return yes yes ah okay okay yeah that i understand that i get because that makes that makes sense that makes sense to my brain in terms of exactly uh uh what it is that you guys are attempting to do but what kind of organizations do you think or what kind of groups do you think would be interested in um in 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 daos well or in forming daos um right now with well Currently, within the, in the crypto space, there's many groups forming DAOs, and even in the states, some ju- some jurisdictions are now allowing for them to be registered like an LLC corporation. Um, it's like a it's like a crypto club, right? It's like what we call in Jamaica clubs. You know, everyone it's a, right. Yeah, and they're legal, right? There's almost no legal issues around it because the blockchain yeah. itself has gone through you know legal issues. And it's pretty much piggybacking off of off of that, and they exist for 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 many reasons. You can imagine, even let's say a family wants to pass down their wealth, right? And they want to not just use like a simple multi sig system where numerous family members have to vote or you know sign sign a trust to release funds, right? So. It's 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 a new way for families. It's very similar to even like a partner, like what we have here locally, a partner. It's it's not the same, but it's it's really close to it. And and we realize the concept, yeah. the concept, yeah. It's everyone pulling their funds, and in in times of need, right? In most partner, well, from you know, my parents, I've seen my parents. They grew up. I grew up with my parents using them. In times of need, you know, people kind of shift when they want to take their part. So their payout, similar, yeah. Their payout, right? So similar to that with with the Carib DAO, I'm just mentioning it now, um, is that anyone within the Caribbean or outside of the Caribbean can join, right? Once you have one token, you are a member of the decentralized autonomous organization, um, but you will require a minimum of 500 tokens to vote and a minimum of 50 tokens to post a proposal. Right. So the proposal system uh, and the proposal board is also totally open to everyone. Right. So anyone could propose any project, but similar to mm-hmm. other crowdfunding, traditional crowdfunding platforms, they'll still need to present, you know, a, a video presentation, a PowerPoint presentation, um, slides, et cetera. Yeah. Right? Proper proposal. To, proper proposal. You have to come. 
Yeah, formal. You have yeah. to come correct. There's no way around it, right? So, and then there's yeah. other things like the funds. It's impossible to have the funds dispersed in one payment. That's also a security issue because projects will also have to be accountable. Um, yeah, there will be times when the community will have to vote to stop funding a project, right? But the, the, the blockchain makes it so that we can fund the projects, but it's almost impossible yeah. to withdraw, to pull funds back. So in, with that known, it, it's, it, it's up to the community to really steer what projects we want to benefit and how they will benefit the community. And we see that, um, we project that maybe after a year or two, it will take on a life of its own, right? So even as a founder, I will be limited to 100,000 votes, right? Um, the other founders yeah. will be limited to 100,000 votes and so forth and so forth. So there's a cap and it, we call it a whale cap. It just makes sure that no one can't mm -hmm. just buy out the whole system and then start steering where funds go. And then we'll also... Ah rely on um, other security features of the blockchain itself, right? So uh -huh. funds will be secured by the blockchain and any participants who want to, you know, um, they can either remove themselves from, from membership simply by, you know, selling their tokens, right? or join by owning tokens. But to vote, you have to download our app and the the proposals will be right there on a proposal board. So in in, in, in theory, this it's, it's really simple. It's a proposal board where anyone could put up their proposals and the members decide what we want to vote on. That sounds cool as hell to me. Um, do you think, now that, you know, groups have been able to register these kinds of organization, that this adds some legitimacy to the blockchain crypto world in some ways? Yes, 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 for sure. Sorry, my mic was off. Um, you know, the U.S. kind of leads, especially in the Western Hemisphere, when it comes to a lot of these regulations. And the Caribbean just follows suit. And if it's... If we now see that a couple states are allowing for DAOs to be registered um, within their jurisdiction, then it's it's very likely that it'll take only a couple of years before they're accepted here as well. Yeah, yeah, but but in, in generally, you know, generally, um, because we know the U.S. government has a very hard stance against, especially in how they talk about crypto and blockchain, you know, they've, well, not blockchain, but crypto, uh, lots of warnings and stuff. Going. And you see governments do that. I guess they kind of have to, that's a natural response. But yeah, and, that, and, and, and it, yeah. they're only protecting people from the, the, the bad sides of, 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 of cryptocurrency and block in the blockchain space. Yeah. I mean, that also exists in, in every other monetary system. So, and they do, have like the same protections right so right yeah it's only natural only, it's natural. only natural yeah but now that they're saying yeah you guys can register these organizations we'll recognize them as legal entities that always adds legitimacy to a thing right so exactly hopefully jamaica well, and we as well, will allow it as well and i yeah. think we will because we 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 have clubs here i ne i've never really s seen or been a part of the clubs here, but I knew, know of numerous ones that you could register a club, right? Yeah. It's kind of foreign to me since I grew up in the States. And 
I believe that this is this is our club on the blockchain, right? So yeah, right now we're using it for a crowdfunding purpose, but and by it we you mean your 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 DAO, your Caribbean DAO. Yes, yes. Okay, yes. so let's let's talk let, let's talk about that your Caribbean DAO. Who are, yes, so I know it's supposed to be autonomous, but can I ask who are these people <laughs> that are coming <laughs> together to form this group? And and what are some of the projects? Is there like a concentration or a focus that you guys are 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 you know focusing on? <laughs> um, in terms of where well, you we, direct we, your funds to? Well, definitely the tourism sector because we've uh, seen okay. that within the past. Two years. I mean, with COVID and everything, it's 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 really slowed down, and we bounced back. Mm-hmm. But we've bounced back at a time where a lot of um, venues aren't able to meet the demand or the growing demand, right? Yeah. And it's it tourism kind of covers everything within the Caribbean. It, it it's 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 real estate, it's entertainment, um, it's small business, right? So it's like the umbrella above it all in in, in a sense, not just here in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. So if, if we believe if we focus on on, on that sector, we'll, we'll kinda instantly just get a bounce. Um, locally here in the grill, we already have numerous parties willing to join, um, both to post proposals and for the somewhat speculative side of the project, which yeah. is the compounding benefits, right? Um, also, imagine that it's limited, right? The 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 DAO is it's open membership mm-hmm. to any everyone, mm-hmm. but the tokens will be limited, so there will be somewhat of a supply and demand effect as well. So it might start off now with. Uh, minimal benefits to the actual members, right? But the speculative side of the project is very small compared to what we see two to five years down the line once we get the ball fully rolling. Um, this project is one that helps the benefits the members directly, right? So it's it's not as if uh, members are joining to be charitable to anyone else but themselves Mm -hmm. and it's not exactly a charity either right it's crowdfunding it's crowdfunding it's just blockchain powered crowdfunding right so for example real estate projects can find funding for development and potentially go from proposal to funds dispersal in as little as 12 weeks that's what we're projecting yeah right um and that doesn't block them from trying to access funds in other traditional forms yeah right so it's also it's a it's a bonus right so another thing another group is uh startups and smes right um it's a new pool of capital for development and expansion and we just see the potential unlimited potential in that project and once it gets going um not even i myself can you know control it right because it's due to its decentralized nature cool so but that's just one of the projects you're working on or that you've worked on you have worked on several other blockchain projects as a developer and i know of one because this is actually how we met um and it was on twitter um i don't i think you had responded to something or i said something and somebody tagged you in it in any case i found you on twitter and i saw something about the hive and i think that's one of the first questions that i had asked you about this hive thing yes. 
what is what is this hive thing now this is more of a web3 um kind of space but it's still it's still blockchain related right it is right it is um if given that blockchain technology is really just the modern database technology um if you consider it from that angle and for example the bitcoin blockchain keeps uh, track of bitcoin transactions right which are financial transactions they represent dollars and cents on social blockchains or web3 blockchains the data that's stored is social data similar to um post on facebook or twitter instagram yeah. snapchat etc yeah. you know images uh blog posts videos um, etc memes yeah. videos etc etc so it's the new um evolution of social media where the users and the members of the blockchain have control right so hive has a governance mechanism which is very very similar to how the DAO would work. It's a proposal system. Mm-hmm. And Hive members can vote on where the social platform goes. So there is no Mark Zuckerberg or anyone who can, you know, steer, you know, anything on the platform. Something as simple as notifications, right? How many notifications to display to a to someone on a platform. Mm-hmm can be decided on by the users of the platform, right? right? And that opens up a whole new ballgame when it comes to social media due to censorship, right? Um, It decentralizes censorship, right? Uh, We've gone through over a decade of our social media platforms being able to censor what they want, which is good and bad, right? It's always two sides of the coin because, you know, I have have a, a... daughter a young daughter so but we're moving away from traditional censorship methods which were somewhat centralized um to community censorship right where the community decides what content goes viral what content shouldn't be seen by the community yeah but at the end of the day the content is still there right so it still pays homage to the author so anyone can create a piece of content whether it be positive negative or no connotation at all yeah um but the community will decide what rises to the top right so it's more of a cream rises to the top algorithm rather than showing people what will sell ads very rare does you know content social content naturally go viral mm-hmm. um and today what happens if you do have a, a, a you know if you're blessed with a piece of content that naturally takes off mm-hmm. usually these platforms will find a way to throttle it right so facebook will send you a message saying oh this post was you know going very far within your reach would you mind boosting it therefore putting some cash behind it or some yeah. kind of funds behind it to, to promote the post the reality of it is if you don't promote it at that point, you start to get throttled off. Your your steam starts to fall. Yeah. Right. Um and and it's it's the fact that they'll they'll also bolster content creators that benefit the platform itself. If their data science scientists can prove that one particular content creator is, you know, bringing on more users or uh, their viewers are staying on the platform longer, then by all means, they're going to 
make them go viral. There's no way around that. Yeah. It benefits the platform and that benefits the shareholders. Well, the, the shift here is that the platform is the shareholders, right? So on on a blockchain-powered social network, um, the likes and which here, in, in this case, is considered like upvotes, right? They play a much larger role because um, gone is it where the algorithm will say, you know what, we need to throttle this. That's yeah. just not a part of the picture. If someone is to see a particular piece of content on the blockchain, there's a stronger chance that they will see it naturally yeah. as opposed to them being forced in front of them. So it's right? more so organic organic, it's um, more like- on the blockchain. So it's not a for you page kind of thing, right? No. Where these things just automatically show up. Okay, so exactly. on, on the blockchain, what you're saying is if it's good, the community will see it because it will naturally uh, progress and build momentum um, and get exactly. seen. Exactly. And then there isn't uh, okay. a party that's that's going to say, okay, let's 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 profit off of this momentum. We're not benefiting. <laughs> right. So and I mean at the end of the day, if you're hoarding all the viewers but not selling ads, right, it will slow the growth of that platform. Yeah. While blockchain powered um social networks, a lot of the overhead is also missing, right? The uh the need for a central data house, right? Or a data center. Sorry. Yeah. Um, it's that's now decentralized through thousands of devices all over the world. So the content is not stored in one, you know, central point that can fail, right? So in a sense, Facebook gets shut down or any one of the traditional networks gets shut down. There's a strong chance your content, your profile is also disappeared. Right, you could download them for sure, but what are you ever going to be able to do with them? Yeah. Um, on the blockchain, it theoretically it lives forever on, and you have more control over it. So, any particular piece of information that that you upload, you have the keys to remove it, and you have the keys to edit it. Yeah. While technically on most social platforms, I'm not sure the legalities and the regulations are now with Facebook in particular, but on most social platforms. Once you upload a piece of content, it now belongs to them, right? Yeah. So So these platforms give you more control. Well, you retain ownership. So you retain ownership of your content. Uh, The community decides the value of that piece of content. And if the content is good, then the community will naturally promote and push it. And then it rises to the top Um, in the organic fashion that we think social media now in Web2 is. Um, and, and in that way too, Donald, think of, if, if you think about it in that way too, you as the creator of the content will also know if you're, if you're doing good, if you're doing what your community likes or wants or, exactly. you know, yeah. And you can get direct, like unabridged feedback, you know, so there's something for everyone and that's only because everyone can contribute. Right. Yeah. Um, the forms to like, you know, log on, verify yourself on traditional social networks, right? Yeah. Are now used throughout the web to log into other platforms, which have absolutely nothing to do with these social networks other than they provide data to them. Yeah. Right. So your social identity or your identity within the virtual space is controlled by these platforms, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Web3 and Hive in particular gives all that control to the actual owner of the account. Someone 
cannot remove your content without your permission and they cannot edit it without it, right? So mm-hmm. the way traditionally, um, let's just to be real, any post on any social network can be edited even by the network itself. Right. Right. <laughs> Which means we give a sense of trust to these networks mm-hmm. when we put our ideas and our thoughts into their systems. And that trust has been broken numerous times, whether in, you know, elections or in, 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 in many different places, because content is, is being created every single day and the social networks themselves cannot predict what will need to be censored in the future. Mm-hmm. And it shouldn't be up to a smaller party to decide this. So given these strengths back to the community, naturally through blockchain, just kind of helps it for everyone. Yeah. What would you say up to the point where, for one, I mean, Twitter built their platform. I think Twitter, Twitter is allowed to say what is allowed or not allowed on your platform, right? If you build exactly. a platform, you can put your protocols in place, etc. Um exactly. and everybody can say, oh well we need to build our own platform. So that's that's kind of what you guys are doing, building your own platforms. Yeah. Right. And we and giving empowering everyone to and be empowering able to everyone. But what about their own as well. Ah, okay. But what about the point where as minority groups, our voices can get drowned out. So if if say somebody posts something that is abhorrently racist right as a minority group your voice may get drowned out by non-minority groups who think it's funny they don't say anything wrong with it or you're being too sensitive and slavery ended long ago and y'all just need to get over it you 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 have that crowd that will come to the aid i'll give you a bit of prejudice from that angle just from naturally being on within the blockchain space and the social blockchain space um that's life right not saying it's good or or you know accept anything but i noticed even with my social post the reach to me personally would not be as high as someone else that might have posted the same content but not from you know a jamaican point of view or uh, uh an ethnic angle right um it's just it's just life so and the thing is that it translates to the blockchain in a more natural way. So what's going to happen is, is yes, you're correct. Certain groups will still um, enforce uh, tribalism, right? Uh, I'm only going to support my friends and my friends only. And no matter what you're saying, I might not support you. But if you look at it today, that's still happening, right? The issue that's being solved now is that it's now empowering those smaller minority groups to be able to have the same platform within their own groups to communicate themselves. And on a global stage, there are less minorities, right? Right. On a country to country stage, right? There are minorities, but on a global stage, there are less. We tend to see that on the global stage, that kind of just gets diluted, so to speak, right? The, the the racial divides and the metaverse and Web3 also enables people to um, use avatars, right? So you might not know if someone is w- where they're from, right? What matters is their contribution to the community more so than who they are, which is its own way of, of assisting to allow people to contribute without borders, right? If that makes sense. And I think the only way we can 
get rid of those um, uh, issues that we had is to just move closer to a more um, a smaller world, a more unified world. And the only way to do that is to enable global communication. So basically what you're saying is like communities within communities then. So uh, I can be on a blockchain on Hive and on Hive, I have my own community there with, with people there who have share, share similar interests as I do. And we have that space for ourselves. Is that what you're saying? Yes. But yes, then yes. doesn't that create echo chambers? And isn't that the problem that we have with social media now that you have groups congregating well, on these platforms, forming these echo chambers and, you know, that can lead to misinformation and all sorts of other um, problems. How is it different on the blockchain? Because it, it sounds to me like it's going to be even worse now because then <laughs> the platform can't remove it. It's, you know what I mean? Echo chambers, right? Echo chambers are actually necessary. It Give me a second with this because you have some tribes and some people that do want to have their information and their communication private, right? Um, given, with that said, a WhatsApp group, for example, you have a group on WhatsApp, um, you're con- communicating privately, it could be about relationships, it could be about anything. But technically that's encrypted between you, the group members and WhatsApp servers so they could feed you ads tailored to whatever you're talking about within that group yeah um so that's more of what we're we're enabling on this platform and if if you know just to note that most social networks now all provide the same group of services you have you have your feeds, you have your 24-hour snaps, you have your stories, yeah. Your 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 clubhouse, your stories, you have your voice chat rooms, you have, you know, all of these different ways to communicate within either groups, friends, directly. And now on Twitter within. you have communities. Exactly. Right. So the blockchain space encompasses all of those within one particular database which mm. would be its blockchain because hive isn't the only web3 blockchain it's just the most prominent right and most used with the most transactions at the moment right um so it's it's even with echo chambers considered someone has the ability to go in and out of the echo chamber and to create them at will as opposed to a centralized body deciding when to put us in. Yeah, so you form your own communities around your interests or whatever um, on, on, on these kind of blockchains. But the question is, how many communities mm-hmm. is too many communities? Does everybody need a community? Oh, my gosh. Well, <laughs> Does I think the internet already need a community, I think, I think the internet already um, answered that one because there's <laughs> billions, if not trillions of communities. Yeah, but right? wouldn't so this be creating this even is... more? It's like, do y'all really need a community well, here... about armpits? I'm just saying, do what y'all really need now... like a whole blockchain community? <laughs> I got you, but what we're finding now is that is that we're not really, it's not of new communities. It's more of communities moving on to a more uh, secure from space. From one platform to this platform and from cutting out the middleman. Exactly right, and and in most cases, using both until until you're able to slowly move away from the middleman, right? So yeah. I've I've done my fair share of, of of social media marketing in the past, and when censorship does start to play a role in what you're trying to promote, yeah. these are alternate avenues to kind of fill the void, so to speak, right? So yeah, it's not we're not saying like 
some people, yeah, I'm not going to lie. Some people say, get off of Facebook. It's this, it's that. It's totally censored. And we need both, right? So Facebook is a great marketing platform, but it's a terrible social network. Yeah. Most of the communities that are migrating to Hive and other blockchain-powered social networks existed prior to, to blockchain itself. It's just a new way to secure their data and get full control over it. I mean, who wants to start a group on Facebook, right? Get it up to... I don't know, 100,000 members, yeah. um, which I've done, right? And then you lose control of the group, right? You, you, Facebook now says um, you can't po- make a post that goes out to all members, right? Well, why not? When I started this group, I was able to post to everyone, but now I can't. And the reality is you've created a community that you could communicate with directly on their platform without paying them, right? Yeah. Without having to give some kind of compensation. So they throttle that. They now remove your powers of being able to communicate with everyone directly and force you to be like a, a, a privileged member of the group on their platform. So it's more about it's more about equity, right? Creating some kind of kind of equity. And social equity. Social yeah, equity. Yeah. And 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 these groups now own their content, right? They now yeah. they're now more in control. Right? Yeah. So. For sure. I I I guess I understand that. And I, and you know the thing is too one of the other aspects of it that I particularly find interesting is that, you know, remember that day when everything was just down, Facebook was down, Instagram was down, WhatsApp was down and people went batshit yep. crazy cuz they were like, "Oh my god, I have posts that need They don't know what to do with their life. So you can, you, you can, you, in a way you can circumnavigate that, right? Because it's, it's like building your email list in a way, um, because exactly. these are community that communities that you have direct control over. You post something, you're, you're guaranteed that everybody's going to see it right within that community because they voluntarily join that community. So they're going to see it. There's no censoring happening in the back or some, any, any shady act or nefarious activity happening in the back where the, where the platform is going, Oh no, we don't do that wink. And you know, you know, there's something <laughs> happening there. Like, Oh, we would never. Right. So yeah, exactly. Way, and you're, can't you're, prove it. Yeah. You're taking back control of your content and you can profit from it because there's a monetization aspect to this. Right. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Just have to sort of explain a bit of Bitcoin mining or a bit of of mining on on the blockchain and how tokens are created. So, for example, if on the Bitcoin blockchain, miners receive rewards and that's how each Bitcoin is created um, directly to the network participants who are confirming the transactions. Right. Yeah. Imagine on Hive blockchain particularly the miners are also creating a pool, right? I don't have these numbers exactly, but I'll simplify them and say, okay, 70% of minor mining fees are going directly back to the devices and entities that are keeping the network alive and confirming these blockchain transactions on a network. And 30% of the minor fees goes into what's called a rewards pool, Right. The rewards pool continues to build regardless of any interactions on the network itself. What happens is when users upvote another user, user's content, right? It says to the rewards pool based on their reputation, how much this person should be rewarded for participating on the network, how much this person should be rewarded for their content, right? So 
let's say you post a selfie of yourself yeah. on a blockchain powered social network like Hive. Um, each upvote from the community has a financial reward behind it, right? So based on the reputation of the members that are upvoting you, right? And reputation itself is a direct calculation based on how long a user has been on a network and how much skin they have within the game, right? Right. They could either purchase Hive tokens to have Hive power, which says, you know, how, how much your voting power is, or they could participate post content and earn hive power. So that enables the person that wants to join with no, um, they don't want to invest, right? They don't want to put a monetary investment. They just want to invest with, with content and with participation. They're just as powerful as a person that wants to invest financially and profit from the system via votes, right? So it's, it's, it's a play on um, universal basic income where all participants within the system are benefiting from the rewards pool, mm-hmm. right? So when you upvote someone on Hive, it does not, the, the rewards that they get does not come from your account, mm-hmm. right? They come from the rewards pool. Right. And So it's like a creator fund. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So this fund just keeps building continuously yeah. on the blockchain with each, each block. And based on the content and how well it goes, how well the communicates takes the content, the creators are rewarded for that via that fund. Okay. Yeah. So let's, for for example, um, your podcast, right? Yeah. And your video content, you can still promote and upload them on traditional media. And also upload them on a blockchain-powered network like Hive, mm-hmm. and gain extra rewards. So if you're earning, if 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 a content creator is already earning on YouTube, if someone's already going viral on Facebook, if that's even possible, um, viral <laughs> like say on Instagram, Instagram, you have to uh, have a lot of followers Snapchat, and be white. T- yeah, right, <laughs> and TikTok or right, so they're able to use that same content and upload it onto the blockchain. And it's also a way of securing your content in the case of those platforms go down like they did, you know, a couple months ago or a couple weeks ago. So, which is why even Facebook and Twitter are also going the same route. Facebook's been trying to launch their uh, cryptocurrency and blockchain platform for years. Well, that failed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> the U.S. government just kind of shut you that shut down. Shut that instantly. down instantly. That's our. <laughs> that's our whole other podcast. I mean, they spent so much money on that, and it was like immediately no. <laughs> immediately shut down. Yeah, exactly, shut exactly. Down. Because it's it's centralized, right? The mm-hmm. the governments cannot shut down decentralized platforms as easily as they can shut down centralized ones. Um, Facebook, it's cease and desist, and that's it, right? Um, what we find with Hive and true blockchain-powered social networks is there is no one individual that can be, you know. Um, so you have a sense of you have a sense of freedom within the network, right? Where the participants don't fear uh, persecution by a government entity, and in the case that that does arise. 
there is no way of of putting all blame like like liability onto one individual person because it's decentralized and once you have thousands or millions of 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 actors within a decentralized network then it's almost impossible for for a government or some jur- jurisdiction to to um to shut that down because it's it's the people right and at the end of the day the governments are for the people and if if the people are building these platforms and you know, are able to regulate these platforms where it's not um, detrimental to other people's, then the governments have, and the regulators almost have no choice but just to sit aside and kind of help steer them, but they can't shut them down, right? Um, You also mentioned mailing lists earlier. Uh, A developer friend of mine, has recently launched listnerds.com, which just does does just that. It secures mailing lists. Um, many people have spent years upon years building their email list. And for whatever reason, maybe they miss a couple payments um, to the platform or the server, something happened on the server that they were saving their list on, or they were saving it the old way on, on a hard drive somewhere and it fried, right? So the blockchain enables these lists to live forever theoretically right so it's 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 someone who has their mailing list on mailchimp might see not only that they'll save cost by you know uh, migrating it over to a blockchain based database but they'll also not for like i keep saying for sure but they will know for sure that their their list is secure and if they as long as they have the keys they'll have access to it right so these blockchains are not being built to last 10 years, 20 years, they're built to run theoretically forever. So at the end of the day, if Facebook, which is now meta, changes to something else 10 years, 20 years, 100 years down the line, um, these assets that people have built, which can also be considered wealth, because if you have an an email list that you've been building for 20 years, Mm -hmm. right, you might go out of the business and that list is now fundamentally worth worth something to another person right yeah. it's an email list that can be sold for sorry sure. um so even that can be transferable which leads us i'm sorry to like another keyword in the space now nfts right yeah um people need to be able to transfer these assets this data this information in a secure way without those third parties right so how does how does nfts factor in well, NFTs, um, the acronym NFT stands for non-fungible token, which really just means that each asset store, each asset is unique in its own right. Um, each token represents something unique. For example, in real world, $1 or 100 Jamaican dollars, a bill can be exchanged for another 100 Jamaican dollar bill, right? Mm-hmm. That means it's fungible. Um, one US dollar can be exchanged for another one US dollar. Right. Theoretically, non-fungible tokens, they are not exchangeable one for one direct. They right. have to meet within a certain value. So if you have one F- NFT that's worth a dollar, yes, I could trade you for another NFT that's worth a dollar. But the NFTs themselves independently are not representing that dollar. So NFTs could represent anything, um, literally anything, either in the virtual space or in real world. So I always extend a warning. Um, as I mentioned before, I, I host blockchain seminars and workshops, and I like to go deep into the scams, right? So 
generally first rule is if it sounds good to be true, it chances are is. it is. Yeah. It probably is. That's real world, right? Yeah. If someone has a tendency to be naive and gullible in real world, chances are that will also translate to virtual to space. To the virtual space, yeah. Worse, right? It might be worse um, because of so much things coming at them at any given time. Um, the second rule is that, you know, don't trust, verify, right? And yeah. that's that's what the blockchain space enables. Um, people are able to check a blockchain explorer uh-huh. and see the prior transactions, right, of this NFT or token or whatever it is. They can check and see where it's been, um, who had it first, and kind of a, a a history of what this thing is when it was created, right? And NFTs can be programmed with multiple different parameters. So I'll give another example. A a musician can release a track, store it on an M- NFT, and know each and every time ownership of that particular track Changes was transferred. Ah. Changes and it could also be programmed within a contract to automatically um, reward the original creator with their uh, residuals. Royalties, right? so, yeah royalties right so um if each time this track or this master or this it can be a deed it could be a title any any time it gets transferred it can be embedded within the transfer itself to reward you know royalties to the original creator so these are things that that before you would have to trust a human being with right now we trust the code trust the code Once the code is <laughs> it's it's scary it's very scary but at least we know that with these contracts, you can't edit them once they're running, right? There are blockchains that have editable contracts, but then that's a whole new ball game, which which brings back risk. These contracts, we know that once signed and once run on the blockchain, they can't be edited. They either have to be shut down and then run a completely new contract. And that means that if the parties agreed on whatever they agreed on within the first contract, right? No one person within, no one party can edit that. I mean, I I sound very redundant, but it's just the idea that if it doesn't work, you have to try it all over again, which which enables security down to the T. With that said, if the creator only released 100 editions of a particular item, right? It's in the contract. So unless the creator creates a new contract with said items, then there will only ever be 100, right? So I always give out the warning when it comes to the digital art NFTs because you really don't know what you're getting. And coming from the 90s where uh, digital art was just about anything that can be tied to like music, right? You have your music playing in the background and you have your visualizer that's just making clouds and, you know, stars and all kinds of, that's, that's digital art. So if digital art has an unlimited aspect to it, that's just like, it can go on for infinity. So that makes it hard for me personally to promote digital art NFTs because I can't see where the supply and demand can be controlled in the future, right? So yes, a creator can create 100 editions of, of this particular digital art, but in the future, who's to say someone won't be able to copy and run that 
same code, right? And the general public doesn't know this in the same sense of the general public doesn't really pay attention to how social media on yourself? I'm giving people warnings. This sounds like an insider going, listen, I'm off a blockchain, but... No, this is an insider. (laughs) This is an insider saying, warning everyone about the the scams in the space because they are a ton of scams, right? So so you have some NFT skepticism yourself? Oh, for sure, for sure. I I do not purchase digital art NFTs unless they exist in real world. I think Ah. if when it comes to, to art... The NFT should be the ownership, right? So the NFT proves whoever owns the NFT owns the real world piece of art. So whoever owns the NFT might... But that's that's originally that's what but NFTs that's how they do it were, art. Were, but isn't that how they do it yeah. art? They have what they call a a, a, a providence yeah, or or a title a title for your car or right. So in the art world, exactly. you have what you call a provenance. So the creator signs the thing, right? But then on the back of it, every time mm-hmm. it's sold or whatever, put in a collection or whatever, that is tracked on the back, like signatures for different auction exactly. houses, blah blah blah, on the back and date and who it was sold to. Blah, blah, blah. That way you can track and that's how you authenticate. That's one of the ways you authenticate the piece of art. So what you're saying is that they should take that and apply that. That should be what NFTs are, like a provenance. No, it is. It oh, is. that's what it's supposed it's to be. That we, we're crowded. That is what it's supposed to be. We're crowded with so much digital art NFTs that we, it's like we can't see we can see it. There are many people working on, on on conventional NFTs that actually have proper use cases, right? So like I mentioned, um, title deeds, right, for property can be stored on NFTs. Your your car, anything that could that exists in the real world that needs, you know, a certificate of, of authenticity, right, can be stored and transferred on NFTs. With that said, if a real world piece of art is stolen mm-hmm. from a museum and the museum still owns that NFT, right? That shows that when this art does come back, when yeah. whenever it's found, the owner is still that particular museum, right? So the it, it, nothing could be changed. This is what NFTs should be about, right? When you're stealing art, you you kind of remove the provenance. That's that's kind of one way to do it. So it's not trackable. But how would it still be trackable online if I remove if I remove the provenance through NFTs? Well, it would not be trackable. It would only the ownership of it would be oh. trackable. I mean, it, it's it's really just a, like a, a certificate of authenticity. Um, NFTs also play another role when it comes to gaming, right? So we have what's blowing up now is play yeah. to earn gaming, where imagine um, if if back in the day we'd have like baseball cards, basketball cards, and it would have, it had to have on the back of the card one in ten thousand, right? But who's to who's to know that the factory didn't print ten million of this particular card? Blockchain and NFTs allow for this to be provably fair, which is like a new term that's being thrown around. Provably fair means similar to like I was mentioning before, you could check uh, all the transactions on an explorer, right? So if a game says, you know, if for example, um, there's so many games on the app stores that you could purchase in-game items, right? But what gives them value other than the fact that you know it's it's paying the developer of the game right so in in many games you purchase a particular item 
you level up and then later on you realize, well, everyone else that's playing had to purchase that particular item and level up as well. So there is no uniqueness, so to speak, within the games. There is no collectability. You can't collect anything, right? So now, now with NFTs, we can. If there are only 100 of this particular card in a particular game, then it can be it can be proved it, it, the the players of the game can go and see oh yeah there are only 100 not only that they can see who who's currently holding them that's opened up a whole new world where it's no longer people are gaming just to get the thrill of i won now people are gaming to get back rewards right and the rewards go back into a system where they're purchasing the game items and then the game items that are being purchased are going back to the users. So it's like, it creates an ecosystem where instead of the game developer benefiting from the game only, the users of the game are also benefiting, which automatically invites more users to the game, right? And then the game grows organically. It sounds weird, but it's called play to earn gaming. And it would only, it's only possible due to blockchain and NFTs, right? For someone to own a particular character within a game. And if another person wants to play with this character, they literally have to rent it from that person. Like, why would someone want to do it? But then when you look at how many people spend on a daily basis in the gaming space, Fortnite, PUBG, uh, Candy Crush, um, all these games, they rake in billions of dollars and not much of that goes back to the gamers themselves and not trying to say that we're taking everything like we're the gamers taking over it's not really like a rebellion or a revolution but this is actually just keeping the game developers accountable of all the items in the game which enriches the games even more that time effort and energy right can get some reward as well and then on top of that so People who create things for the games, the the artists, the the composers, the musicians that that you know supply, tra- they can all be rewarded as well. So so it's not like oh so you you create the game one time you get paid a one off money, and then this game goes on to make billions of dollars and you only got billions like two thousand dollars right. So it's not that same. In exactly. that sense, every time it's bought or something like that, you're getting something from it. You're getting something from ah, it, exactly. and okay. then and. And then each item in the games, you could see why they're worth something if they're limited, yeah. right? Supply and demand. If 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 only a thousand of this particular, uh, I don't know, um, weapon is available in PUBG, right? You could only imagine, and, and, and there's billions of players. You could only imagine how how the, the, the demand would rise for this particular item. Yeah, right? so yeah. And that's, again, that's, that's the community deciding the value of the thing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's so awesome. It, it's it's what makes the metaverse anything, right? Other than just some catchphrase. Because if people were able, people were not able to draw some sense of wealth or assets out of the metaverse into real world, right? Then it would just still be a game. Yeah. Yeah. You follow me? It would just still be a virtual space to to go and entertain yourself for the meantime. But the ability to to create value virtually and then withdraw that or extract that value into real world applications is what allows us to say that's a metaverse separate from our real world universe, right? So the blockchain enables uniqueness, it enables ownership, it enables um, 
transfers, a uh, uh, secure transfer of data and information and everything that that entails, which combined with the internet gives us the metaverse. So these are the things that are possible in the space, right? But what would you, what do you hope to see the space turn into? I know earlier, before we, we jumped on to record this, you were at the tax office and you were like, there, there should be a solution well, on the blockchain for this. There is. Basically, any system that required use of a database, more specifically a, a secure database, should switch to a blockchain-based system, right? You mentioned my uh, mm-hmm. my time at the tax office, which was extremely frustrating this morning. And it, it leads to another problem, that another issue, right? So it's called the Byzantine generals um, problem. It's from the Byzantine empire. You have numerous generals, right? And the only way that you could succeed in an endeavor like a battle is if they all decide on the same decision. So it's either they all attack at the same time or they all retreat at the same time. Any other decision leads to failure, right? The issue is that they can't communicate directly. Yeah. They have to send messengers. Before Bitcoin and proof of work and the blockchain, before Satoshi Nakamoto kind of put all these technologies together, because it's it's a culmination of, of many technologies, right? And then put, actually put it to use on the blockchain, there was no solution to that problem, right? By solving the Byzantine generals problem, we solved the double spend issue. And the way that was done, that's done, is by the consensus mechanism on the blockchain, proof of work, right? So if you imagine we have each node on the network is a general, right? And they each have a record of their past decisions. Therefore, when they're sending the message to the next general, the record of the past decisions are also there. So the, ge- the general can confirm that this was a true message from that past general, right? Because he didn't just send this particular message, today's message. He sent a list of messages that were confirmed before. Is that simple enough? I think I get it. I right? think. So in a sense that the blockchain, each block is connected to the previous block, yeah. right? Um, that means that each node can confirm based on the previous blocks that this new block is true. So that each general can confirm that this new decision is true, right? So Uh. with that said, um, Jamaica's system where we have a separate tax administration different from the the company's office. So you're saying that these... these these organizations that have your basic information, information. Your, you can verify your information because they have your data, they can then work together. Exactly. They could theoretically all be either on the same blockchain or use what's called oracles, which is like a, a middleman, so to speak, to communicate with one particular blockchain, right? So in in, in, in my case this morning, you know, um, I put in to close a closeout a previous company with the company's office about two years ago. So I assumed the tax payments, which, you know, the small business tax, the yearly tax payment, yearly tax obligations were covered. And yeah. only for it to be brought to my attention this morning that that the tax office had no knowledge of 
the closing of the company. And they are- How? How is that possible? That was my question, <laughs> right? So apparently um, they do, uh, you know, transfer this data amongst themselves, but it's there's no efficient way of doing it, right? So, wow. because I asked the same thing, I'm like, this, how? This is, and, and the only answer I kept getting was, um, they're two different entities. I, I called my accountant while at the tax office, and then he explained- that, well, what we have to do now is now apply for another waiver. Now, yeah. I'm applying for a waiver for a company that's been closed for two years. So instantly, it's just to me, it's like, okay, well, if this was on a distributed ledger that the tax office had access to on an explorer, right, instead of going into their own particular database system, right, they'd be able to, you know, I'm at the office. So he should have at least been able to have somewhere where he could go online immediately and see that it was closed. Other than the company's office of Jamaica website, which still says technically the company's active, which brought up another issue, which is why I had to call my accountant to make sure that it actually was put in to close the company. So somewhere along the line here, there's a Byzantine general at fault, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, not, not, that's, the information that's, is not being freely sent around or efficiently sent around. So different people operating exactly. with different information. And yeah, yeah, honest, I, I, I get that. And in that way too, we can cut out some of the issues like having to get a JP or a superintendent of police or some crap like that to sign a document. Yep, yep. I don't know any sign of these people. And now what? I can't do no business, right? So Exactly, exactly. It's a system that just needs to be modernized. And I believe they have an opportunity to, to skip over, you know, what we were doing in the 90s, early 2000s, et cetera, and just go directly into securing our our data with blockchain technology. And it'll benefit it'll benefit the government for sure. Another thing is is our health system, right? Which is really shit. foreign shit. to foreigners. <laughs> right? We have a hospital system that that's uh, the term you just use, shit, right? But we do have private Medicare that's somewhat world class because the fact that our our you know public system sucks so badly, it invites and, and it invites scams internally and externally. It invites scams and and it invites loss of data, right? So. Uh, you have a medical issue today, right? And you need to go to a doctor, but you don't want to go to the hospital. And you get to Dr. Reddy's office and, you know, there's 40 people in line there. And you just need something to, to you know, just something really quick, right? Maybe a, a waiver for work today or something because you're under the weather, right? If this data could be transferred or it resides on a secure place where you as the the person that's being administered on owns the keys, then you could travel with this data, right? So you could go from one medical practitioner to the next and have your medical, your dental records and, mm. you know, uh, everything else, right? Um, you're involved in an accident, you're unconscious, they need to provide some medical assistance. Well, they punch into something on this date. They punch in your your you know your TRN on this database, and boom, they can see that you have allergies to avoid. These are things that that need to be secured in a decentralized way, but right. on somewhat of a centralized network, right? So one blockchain, but the parties that could access it can either be decentralized or it could be secured by 
the person like that owns their health information, right? So, you know, your doctor calls a previous doctor from years ago and they either lost your health records or they can't find them in time to get it to you for for application. It's it's just a, it, our system is shit, like you put it. And I think we have an opportunity to skip over, you know, a whole 10 or 20 years of database technology and go directly into blockchain. Give everyone the rights to own their dental and medical records. Give everyone the rights to be able to go to any one of these private practitioners as well as the hospitals, if need be, right, the emergency room, and have access to this data without the time and effort that it takes to find this data right now is life threatening, right? That's a direct application that could help the system and also lower cost to the entities involved, right? So blockchain databases are way more cost efficient than traditional databases, for sure. There, there are lots of advantages to it. And I think one of the biggest ones too is, as you said, one of the biggest ones is the security of it. Because if you look at the situation in needs, and I was having a conversation with, uh, I think it was Dr. Jody Jonas, Jones, um, and we were talking about that, the whole needs thing. Having needs on the, 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 the blockchain uh, could be how they overcome that issue about securing my information. Because one of the biggest issues Jamaicans had, or have, in fact, one of the biggest issues the courts had, which is why they kind of slapped NIDS down, is there, there's nothing in the law that talks about how my information is going to be secured. And then there was this whole forcing me now to have to give you my information, which is, in effect, as far as the court is concerned, a breach of privacy. So, so, so we can get around because I, I suspect once we can convince people that listen, this is secure. Not a lot of people will have access to it. That kind of thing. I'm sure people will be a little bit more open to sharing that information um, too, because we know we have we have trust issues with the government. We do. It's it's historical at this point. Exactly, and if we can't see. If we can't see our benefits directly, we're probably not going to go with it as a as a culture. That's just how we are as Jamaicans, right? So we have to we have to see it. We're not believing a puss in a bag or however. Exactly, and right? so, one of the ways <laughs> one of the ways we could we you know one of the ways they could sell this to the public because whether you mandate it or not, you're going to have to sell it to the public. There has to be public buying. One of the ways yes. you can do that is by saying, hey, listen cut down on the amount of hours you spend at the tax office or at any government office or any office period doing period, yeah. anything because literally you can stay at home and it's one click of a button on whatever system that you can access. Or if you go somewhere to transact business, they just need to be able to pull up something. And just like what we did for the proceeds of, of crime act, where in the act, it says that there has to be special reporters who actually are responsible for reporting this and reporting that. We know that there'll be special people who will uh, be responsible for accessing the system, who can access yeah. uh, the system, who can update your information. They can't change your information because that's the security feature of the blockchain, but they can certainly exactly. update your information um, in the blockchain. So if your name was Miss Francis before you get married and now your name is Mrs. Whatever, that information is now updated. So you don't have a problem where you're going and go, oh, but your ID say your name this and then you say, you, you know what I mean? 
So yes, you would have yes. special people who would be allowed to access the system to be able to update the system as well. And because it's decentralized, all the computers will have the information. So if one person decides that I'm going to pull some shikita business, then all everybody else is going to know. Everyone. And they're going to be like, yes. ah, no, nah, we ain't doing that. So yeah, if you exactly. if you explain it in a way that people can understand and you, 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 you let them see the, the efficiency and how this efficient, efficient, efficient. <laughs> Makes the system more efficient, efficient. Uh-huh. <laughs> right? I think that would be, and I think that would be the easiest um, and the best selling point, right? Definitely, definitely, definitely. Yeah. And and the the beauty of this is that these systems are around; they're being deployed in other countries, right? Yeah. And it's 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 for us to to take advantage of them now, right? So yeah, um, use the technology to solve problems. That's what one, it's for. One of the best tweets I've seen recently is from mm. the uh, the founder of Binance. It was yesterday, actually. He tweeted, imagine if a country pushed out all their internet talent 20 years ago, right? Dot, dot, dot. Keep your blockchain talent, right? Um, that's a direct shot at smaller countries that are not getting involved yet, right? That's mm. either going to wait until um, their blockchain ta- talent goes overseas or... They're going to be issuing warnings and putting up enough walls that their blockchain talent just does not grow. And, you know, we end up outsourcing everything right. like we did for the fir- first wave of the Internet uh, here. Right. So um, back in 2009, I met a guy named Rob Graves. He's the owner of Negril.com. Right. And his success story was, you know, coming here in the 90s and realizing how far behind we were. Yeah. Right. And <laughs> and realizing that he could. You know, register Negril.com and mm. a ton of other domain names, Negril Events, uh, Negril Weddings, and basically bought out every Negril domain, mm. right? So within the following years, many people who wanted to use these had to go to him to either purchase them or use them with his permission, yeah. right? We don't, want, we don't want that to happen again. <laughs> we, yeah. we, we need for our, for, for, for our youths to be able to jump right in with this technology and just run with it, right? Um, yeah, and not having I could, one I could, random non-Jamaican person monopolize the system because the system, they're right? computer so, literate or digitally literate. Exactly, right? And I believe if, if we allow this, then no matter how many use cases I could come up with, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there are kids in, in school right now, UTech, UE, right, that have a thousand better ideas that I could possibly ever come up with with this technology. And I know that for a fact, right? Because yeah. when I was in that age group, my ideas were just flying back and forth. And I know I could see what's needed now in an yeah. adult world, but they could see what's going to be needed further in the future than 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 we can, right? So it's like we have that opportunity that we missed with the internet. Blockchain is global. The internet was founded by U.S. government. It was originally ran by a small group of people that set the initial IP addresses. It was created by the first founders. It was in the early 80s, you know, uh, Apple and Dell and IBM and these small PC, these small entities that was able to shape the future of the internet itself and where we went with bulletin boards. Bulletin boards died, right? Now they're coming back, right? So these these systems that were shaped before, now the new world, we have an opportunity to to, to shape them as the communities and the peoples themselves, right? So- and, and our government has an opportunity to enable our people to jump into this future. This gives us a chance to do that. To do right? that um, yeah. 
Yeah, and even in the even in the uh, the the cannabis industry, where there was that thing about how can the grassroots farmers retain ownership of an industry that's that's fading away from them? Yeah, because now so many foreign investors are coming in. These are ways to 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 enforce that. These are ways to enable that to 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 give them you know ownership of either their lands or or within entities, right? So there's so many industries that are developing now in uh-huh. Jamaica and broader within the Caribbean space itself, within the Caribbean community that can use and that really need, I should say, blockchain to catch up to speed. We have this opportunity to catch up to speed with the rest of the world and then move forward. It's not saying that we need to surpass them, but we could at least catch up and and, and, and move forward. I mean, we're beating the crap out of everyone sports-wise. Uh, Jamaica Stock Exchange is, is, is world-renowned. It's one of the best exchanges year after year. Forbes magazine, Bloomberg, et cetera. But our developers are not known, right? We have so much talent here within the creative space. We have just as much creators within the IT space as we do within all other spaces in Jamaica and in the Caribbean. And I think we have an opportunity now to really enable them to to own and profit from their creations. Right? So um, I, it we're locally, and I mean, in the grill, we're going ahead to try to attempt to, I, I shouldn't even say try to attempt, we're building, we're building a blockchain oriented school and we're starting with monthly seminars and we're actively right now looking into ways to uh, give accreditation for it so students could get credits in computer science at whatever university and we'll invite, we're inviting um developers from off off the island, right? Developers, renowned developers, the Hive blockchain, uh, Ethereum, um, to to come and teach students in and get compensated for doing so. So it's not like it's gonna be a one-off thing, right? They who doesn't want to come in and, and teach what they love within paradise. And we have paradise. So let's give them an opportunity to come and teach our students. It's just like a it's like a win-win situation for everyone. And I think blockchain needs to be a priority when it comes to what we're what we're when it, what we're enabling our use to to um to do in the future. So and I think that's a great yeah. point to end on. That was very eloquently put. <laughs> so I think that's a, a a great point to end on, and I can sense your enthusiasm. And I know you're doing a lot more in the space, but you know these are you know few few things that that we you know we were able to talk about today. I appreciate your time, Donald, because I know you're busy. I know you're doing five million things because you don't just do blockchain. So I know you do a lot of things, and we've been trying to get together for some time now to have a chat because I I really wanted your input i couldn't have a, a, a season talking about blockchain and web3 and didn't talk to you that would be that would be ridiculous so i appreciate you. your time I, I, i'd just like just like to add that with without blockchain right i can't imagine how things would be right now right so there's there's a thing called a paradigm yeah. shift and i i've i i had the paradigm shift about seven years ago so it's, it's the future and it's now at the same time. And the blockchain has enabled me to do so much more, right? So I'm, I'm able to be a participant in so many different projects and that is due to the blockchain. Yeah. All right, no, no, no. thank you so, so, so much. 
Hey guys, thanks for listening to another episode of the Digital Jamaica podcast. If you like the show, be sure to rate and leave a review. You'll be helping the show to reach more digital Jamaicans like you who would benefit from the insights shared on this show. If you're feeling the vibes, you can follow for more on Instagram at digital.jamaica or on Twitter at the Digital Jamaican. And of course, I'm always open to connecting and collaborating. So you can find me over on LinkedIn at Kadia Francis. Until next time, guys, take care.